desperate wait for those in a desperate situation. Homeless and hungry. How many gorillas who actually killers really rhyming? Artists that actually sign still killing. And when it comes to killing the mic, they not willing and I'm supposed to be shook. That's the shit to kill me. Take the bullet from a rock on a balcony, then vanish, extinguish the sun when I drew a play pool with the planets. We all renegade, the movement outlandish. My shit straight from the soul. God damn it, it's the one time only. Vernacular, original, miraculous, spectacular flow. Computer digital, but piss upon a pitiful. Ridicule, minuscule. Foul march, you need to pop that ass like municipal and listen to an enigma. Anomaly, your mama nominated me for nominal or dominated without a six pack of domino. You can get 19 put through that like I'm a do. So, what I'm gonna do is separate the falls from the truest. You've amassed nothing trying to ball like you mass. So, phenomenal with mics, I don't like myself. Say, don't masochist them, see, I bite myself. But not cameo though. There's no Grammy to show for the love that people hand me on the street and I overstand. Grade school mathematics examining thugs. They discuss blood scripts, text jamming and drugs. I Speak of world peace, war, famine, and flood. Watch your pants labyrinth while I'm unraveling, bud. Gambling on the next rapper to die in the hood. If God shall choose that artist to be me, let one person. What's good? What's happening? As I always say, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is your host, William Moore. You're here for another great episode of Chill Time is Will Time. And once again, I have a phenomenal guest. Not only a phenomenal guest, but he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, Yo, he's a fellow uh, male doula and lactation consultant. Uh, along along with me, we are the only two um, doulas and lactation consultants in the, in the entire state of Minnesota. That's kind of how we made our connection and uh, been using this work to really better our community. But uh, without any further ado, I'll go ahead and let the brother introduce himself. Go ahead. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, community. Good afternoon, audience. Um, Excited to be here. Yeah, my name is, uh, well, I go by Pragmatic on the radio, um, but you could call me Mac, and I'm here with my brother Will, and I'm excited to just contribute to the conversation and learn from my brother as always. Yeah, so me and uh, me and brother, hey, we've been trying to make this happen for, Man, for a little minute, right? about a month and a half, yeah. Yeah, like, because mm-hmm. I remember when I first brought it to your attention when we were going through the training, like... You're like, man, you was like, yo, I want to get on, yeah, but, yeah. but I, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up school, yeah. you're finishing up your master's yep. program, yep. you had a lot going on with that, mm-hmm. and uh, so you're like, yeah, let me just get it, let me get everything in order, you know what I mean, yeah. and then I'll hit you up and, and, we'll, and, we'll, and we'll wrap it up, mm-hmm. and uh, and you did that, you held to your word, mm-hmm. and I'm just glad to have you on, and um, just to kind of let the audience know, like, what y'all about to witness here, this isn't even really going to be like one singular focus on this episode. Mm. I really wanted to have this brother on just because every time we've gotten together, since the very, the very, uh, the first day we sat down in a class together, mm. there was a, there was a connection and a bond of just two, For real. two cats who really kind of understood each other, yep. uh, understood each other's hunger to do better in our communities. Mm-hmm. And, and to just kind of think, you know, what I mean, expand our expand our minds mm-hmm. and uh, think along a different plane. Mm. And so, with that, once you once you, I, I think anybody out there who's listening understand once you connect connect with a like mind, mm-hmm. somebody else who's hungry for knowledge mm-hmm. and, and willing to soak it in, but also 
has wisdom themselves, you know what I'm saying, like Brother A does, um, you you stay wanting to be a part of that, whether it's, you know what I mean, whether it's y'all talk every day, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, you know, once a week, every once every couple of weeks, you always find yourself drawn back to people like that. That's right. And that's what I've found about his and I's uh, a, a relationship. We always, every time we, you know, we get to talk, we chop it up like, Pretty much, like I feel like we've known yeah. each other for a minute, for even real. though we haven't. Yeah, we just met this past year, just but we always chop it ago. up like we, like we've known each other forever. Mm-hmm. So and that's something I greatly appreciate. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't get the opportunity to really run by that many people, too many people like that in your life. And when you do, you want to keep them around because you right. can always learn from that. So um, likewise, this is just going to be whatever we want to talk about. Whenever we talk about it, y'all, y'all really just about to sit around and. Listen to two cats just talk, mm-hmm. um, chop it up about life, um, things that we see affecting our work and our community, and and what we think and we can do about it. You know, mm-hmm. so let you go ahead and All take right. it on, man. Well, first thing I think I would like to continue the conversation that we started a while ago and just talking about manhood, black manhood. Oh and, yeah. yeah, yeah, and just some of the complexities that we run into as black men with being able to be um, vulnerable in our emotional development been able to be strong in our emotional development mm-hmm. how it impacts our relationship with black women um and just and women in general and just really get into how some of those pieces circle around to how we show up in fatherhood show up in um our families and the impact that it has on the broader society and me and you have touched on many different aspects of that topic and just really considered a lot of stuff historically our psychological health and well-being, you know, especially as it related to um, black fatherhood and right. the prenatal development and the birthing process and stuff. And so one of the things that I'm, you know, just been really thinking about with some of the things that you've kind of elevated in some of our discussion is how do we shift um, black manhood and black womanhood to reconsider our gender definitions? Oh, yeah, that conversation roles. about gender roles. Yeah. And we were just kind of talking about that mm-hmm. just a few days ago. That's right. That's and right. Um, kind of talking about how, in essence, gender, role, g- gender roles to me go hand in hand with toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. wherever you find, they're like uh, they're like two best friends. Right. Wherever you find one, the other is pretty close behind. <laughs> Can't be too far Can't behind. Be too far behind. Cannot be too far yeah. behind. Mm-hmm. And this is where, and this is where I'm going with this. Toxic masculinity, I think, is what helps de- is is what helps define gender roles. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I think I've talked to you before. I think I don't necessarily, I don't really agree with gender roles okay. from the standpoint from the standpoint of. Um, the fact that it, it, they are, they do come from, our uh, uh, birth from toxic masculinity. Okay. And I've kind of spoken to you before about how, like, um, especially toxic masculinity when it comes to, um, when it comes to how we express ourselves, mm-hmm. how we are in the home, um, how, how, how poisonous it is. Yep. From the standpoint, all right, just a couple of days ago. Um, we had had the conversation, and I talked about how I find it ironic and sad at the same time that um, we, most men out there, define themselves as, as a man through like the whole 
the whole the, the, the machismo effect, right? Uh huh. You know, how macho can you be? Yeah. Telling people what to do, not yeah. taking orders, giving them, yeah. doing whatever you want, whenever you want, mm-hmm. regardless of who's hurt in the process. Mm-hmm. It's all about you, right? It's a very uh, a selfish way Self- yep. of looking at the world, right? Right. But if you think about it on a, on a deeper level, that definition or that way of behaving comes from someone else's definition. Mm. Like those same men who behave that way, mm-hmm. think how ironic it is, like how ironic it is that she's like, you take on this persona of being able to do what I, whatever I want to do, mm-hmm. but I'm waiting for somebody else to define what that structure looks like. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And am, am I, like, am I, am I kind of making it clear? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, if somebody else says, you know, it's not okay for a man to wear pink or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Then the tough brother walks around not wearing pink because real men don't wear pink. Right. 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 You do what you want, but you just let somebody else define what you do. You yep. let somebody control you. That's right. So, you know, I made I made this comment on KMOJ Radio not that long ago. Um, that allowing others to define what masculinity is or what your manhood is makes you abdicate your power in yourself and in your community. Mm. Mm-hmm. The irony in that being to be to be for you to consider yourself to be powerful or in control, you've given up your power and control, mm-hmm. even over your very self, mm-hmm. over your role in your community, mm. and that and where that comes in effect with the black community is, um, black men are losing a place in a community from the standpoint of if. We're not being targeted uh, by the police, um, you know, from them over-policing our communities and hitting us with disproportionate uh, prison sentences and stuff like that. Many of us are not allowing ourselves to be open enough and sensitive enough to address the important parts of our relationship, which makes a relationship work. Mm-hmm. Um Meaning, you know, being vulnerable, like you just said earlier, being mm-hmm. vulnerable to our significant other, mm-hmm. which therefore means it translates into being vulnerable to your children, mm-hmm. um, which is also a form of emotional support. That's right. So because we've taken on this false notion of what manhood and masculinity is, we've given all that away, right? Mm-hmm. And now we have no place. Mm-hmm. Our little boys and little girls are walking around without, without men in their house. And if the man is in the house, he's there physically, but he's not there mentally and emotionally. Right. That's right. So he might as well not be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because all he's doing is all he's doing is setting an example of uh, somebody who doesn't show any type of emotional support. Um, may not be there mentally all the time. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, um, I've said this before too. Little boys grow up thinking that that's how they're supposed to behave, mm-hmm. and they re- they retread or recycle that behavior mm-hmm. in their own relationships. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Leaving their 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 significant other sitting there, you know, wondering why they can't, you know, uh, uh, open up to them. Right. And little girls look at they look at their fathers, and they sit and they think that that's what a man's supposed to behave like. Right. And so they wind up wrapping themselves up in relationships with, you know, what I'm saying men or another woman or whatever be the case mm-hmm. that leaves themselves emotionally available. Mm-hmm. So they live out the rest of their they, their life feeling incomplete and unhappy, mm-hmm. all because of what was modeled before them, which comes off of 
a very lazy and incomplete definition of what manhood is. Mm. Manhood could be whatever you want it to be. Hmm. To me, being a real man is taking care of your responsibilities and being there for your for your loved ones, mm-hmm. and, and, and 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 trying to improve and grow every day. Mm-hmm. That. And I think I'm not a woman, yeah. but I would think any woman with an open, uh, open mind would 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 think that being a real woman is very much the you know has very much the same rudimentary components mm-hmm, to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get what I'm saying? I do, I do. So let me interject with a few questions because. Because you spurred so many powerful thoughts. Yeah, and, and I know it was kind of, I know it was kind of this disjointed and stuff too. No, I was no, no, no. A lot of no, no, it wasn't. It, 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 there's, there's some, there's this symbiosis between everything that you were saying. One key question that I ask is, who, who has been owning our definition of black manhood? Like, who has been the most influenced on defining blackhood? White supremacist society. Okay. And then, and, and I want you to unpack it and in even, a little bit. And even when we develop something that we consider our, our own, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's been co-opted right. and profited off of right. and then regurgitated back to us. That's right. And then our kids look at this very perverted vision of what mm-hmm. black culture is, and then mm-hmm. they enact that. For instance, you know what I'm saying? I know this is a different generation, and, you know, they're not, you know, I, I can sound like some, you know, Old cat who you know who who doesn't want you know what I'm saying <laughs> who, who who doesn't want to acknowledge mm-hmm. like a younger group but just mm-hmm. take it for instance you look at some of these younger rappers coming up right mm-hmm. the little Xanaxes <laughs> or little whatever their little name is all you gotta do is put a little in front of That's the name right. with it little That's lollipop little Starburst yeah. whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you know what I'm saying little like these cats young yeah 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 <laughs> these cats got 900 different colors of hair mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff which Whatever, mm-hmm. I'm I'm cool with being different. People right. consider me different, right. but there's a difference between being different on your own because that's organically who you are, mm-hmm. and then somebody, a marketer, telling you this is how I need you to change your appearance mm-hmm. to to to, a, to increase yeah, profit to increase profit, mm-hmm. and therefore what you're putting out is a is like a a, a very perverted image or um it is. The most ludicrous version of, of of who and what we actually are mm. to make money off of it, mm-hmm. and so little kids see that, and then they think that that's that's right. what it is. That's right. And then on top of that, these cats aren't even like true to themselves. Like they're being the most outrageous that they can possibly be, mm-hmm. and it's being attributed to like black culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the hyper aggressive black guy with mouth full of gold or platinum and neck chains everywhere. Right. Like that's not what. What we are, yeah, there's some brothers who are like that, but that's not what all of us are like. That's right. Black black men look and behave like any and everything, mm-hmm. or the you know what I'm saying the very the, you know what I'm saying the the uh, the ridiculous image that like all black women are like loud and noisy mm-hmm. and and doing too much mm-hmm. or doing the most or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not all black that's women. All some women. are like that, but mm-hmm. that's not all black women. Right. Black women are coming all shapes, you know, sizes, colors, personalities, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's just it's a it's a lot there. I almost feel like there's so much to unpack. Like I almost stumble up at them over my words, yeah. trying to get it all out. Yeah, yeah, because you know because I mean? di- there's so many layers to this thing. There's so many complexities around it, and it's complicated. This ain't an easy topic no. amongst our people. No, no, um, no. But where? So a, a few of my other questions. Well, a couple of my other questions is. Um, so the first question you kind of you uh, addressed it is who owns black manhood like the definition who's been the most influence on us second 
Um, where does culture come into that? And you just started alluding to that and opening that segue. What what does culture's influence have on the definition of black manhood? And then the other question that I was um, going to kind of, um, I can't remember the other question, but I was going to interlace with it was, what is this movement or this new idea of black feminism being associated to black manhood? And so I'm hearing, and I think it's primarily from academia where we're seeing um, black feminist, black manhood is part and parcel black feminist, black feminism. You know, is is this theory that true new manhood, new black manhood considers the feminist, the black feminist perspective. And so I'm, I'm curious of what your thoughts with that because mm. there's some pieces into that to where I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I'm thinking that there's 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 movement to that. There's there's reality to that. There's some consideration to that. I think there's some possibilities for that. And where it gets a little complicated is that we haven't fully owned our definition of manhood, even though we have enacted our definition of manhood. And and just like hip hop, we can we don't necessarily say we own the influences of hip hop. There's a lot of factors around it, right. but yet we've been the creators of it. We've been the progenitors of we it. We birthed it. We birthed that thing, right? And so, and um, it take form and shape in the way. Well, I would say historically on how it showed up in on our blocks and how it showed up in our ciphers, how it showed up in our dance, how it showed up in our you know artistic expression so manhood in that sense we don't necessarily have the biggest influence on it but yet we're constantly redefining it reshaping it and so when we're talking about the black feminist perspective i'm going to hear your thoughts on that but the that question that i was going to oh in terms of whether or not black manhood can be individually defined do do we have do we need a community and a social parameter to control what black manhood look like for us no i think i think it's dangerous if we have a community or social parameter be the be the defining factor of what manhood is, unless it comes with the very loose parameters that I gave earlier. Mm-hmm. Being true to yourself, taking care of your loved ones, mm-hmm. and being positive. Because, and, and this is why I say that. Because if you get to trying to get a little bit more detailed, and we had a conversation about this on the phone, you mm-hmm. get a little bit more detailed, then you start throwing around constraints. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Of what manhood is that doesn't fit. That doesn't. That doesn't. You you start you start dabbling with throwing out, out a one size fits all mm. type of uh, mm-hmm. label that doesn't fit every man out there. You know mm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because like you and I are very much different and very much the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In a lot of different ways. That's right. But if you were to throw, if somebody were to take my characteristics and all my likes and dislikes. And say this is what being a real man is, then that's slighting you, and that's mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying, brother A doesn't 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 really meet the requirements mm-hmm. of what being a real man is, or vice versa, mm-hmm. vice versa. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I say we get around, we we get into trouble with that sort of thing. Yeah, just like you know, earlier you were talking about um, 
that's my perspective on on uh, how manhood intersects or influence to be considered a real man these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it has to intersect or or or, or follow along the lines of like um, feminism. Mm-hmm. All right. I feel like I need to tread lightly on that too, <laughs> and this is this is the reason why uh-huh. I don't believe any man has the right to define what feminism is. Mm. And I believe the moment we start to try to dabble with that, okay, we start falling back in a very loose form of uh, misogyny and patriarchy um, that already exists. But can can this, can black feminism can the woman's perspective inform black manhood? Yes, I'm gonna tell you, and this is this is the reason I see I can I can see that mm-hmm. it can inform black manhood, uh, in terms of letting us know where we're overstepping our bounds. Hmm. So 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 this is what I'm saying. Okay. Through feminism, men can learn like all the things that we're doing to women that's that's oppressive to them. That's right. You get what I'm saying? That's right. Because there's a lot of things, like when I did an episode on toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that are so ingrained and taught to mm-hmm. us from a very young age, mm-hmm. we have no even idea that we're even doing it. That's right. So if we don't even know that we're doing it, how can we even identify the fact that it's toxic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it's just in our makeup, it's just who we are. Mm-hmm. Even from the very beginning, like when I'm saying we talk about, when I, I made the comment before that... Or everybody knows the story that when a little boy falls and, and hurts his knee and uh, scrapes his knee, mm-hmm. little girl falls and scrapes her knee, what type of treatment do they both get? Mm-hmm. You call the little girl and you tell the little boy, be quiet, wipe your face, mm-hmm. get up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Why? He hurt too. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. Like, I understand that, especially especially for black men in the world that we're growing up in today, there has to be a, a certain layer of toughness for us because of the th- different things that we're facing mm. as far as... Um, White supremacy is concerned. Mm-hmm. I understand that, mm-hmm. but we often forget too that black women got to face that and patriarchy. Mm-hmm. We don't. We got to face white supremacy mm-hmm. as men, mm-hmm. but we don't have to deal with patriarchy. Mm-hmm. We have to deal with from the, from the fact that we 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 you know use it consciously or unconsciously mm-hmm. to dominate to dominate females, mm-hmm. but they're the ones being dominated, so they're getting it twofold. That's right. Women That's right. of color are getting crapped on. Because of they because of their their race That's and right. they getting crapped on, but the same the very brothers that should be protecting them, mm-hmm. are perpetuating the same. And, thing. and we're perpetuating the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then we get so selfish and caught up in our own struggle mm-hmm. that we don't even look at the fact that we're doing that doing mm-hmm. that with them. Mm-hmm. And then the moment one of them tries to get up and speak up, we tell her to shut up. Right. Or we like hold on, sister, be hey, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. know your role, or we call her loud or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And some, and some, and, some, and, and you know what I'm saying? Some white women deal with it too. Right. You know what I mean? But, but it, you know what I'm saying? From, for for the sake of the conversation, what you just brought up, like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I was speaking on, on, on women of color. So yeah. I don't want any white women out there to think <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. you know what I'm saying? We, that y'all don't deal with patriarchy. Right. We know y'all do. We know, well, but y'all just don't have to deal, y'all don't have to deal with the twofold aspect of, of women of color where that's right. they got to deal with the race aspect. That's right. And they got to deal with the patriarchy. That's right. And we've seen, historically, we've seen how the women's movement, the feminist movement has used black women and try to subjugate the conversation of race in order to increase their numbers and their social power right. to elevate the 
the discussion of fem, um, feminism. That's and funny it, you brought that up you because know. a friend of mine was just talking about that mm-hmm. not too long ago. Stacy uh, uh, Stacy uh, Swim was just talking about um, in terms of the Democratic Party mm-hmm. and because uh, she she's she's a former se- or current sex worker mm-hmm. and she's looking to retire and she's talking about how the Democratic Party. Um, doesn't support sex workers, mm. right? And they mm. it, they help push and enact certain laws that um, subjugate, disrespect, and oppress sex workers. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when it comes to getting votes, you know, it's yeah. like it's like rally all the troops. That's right. And I made the comment That's right. that um, they've been doing the same thing with minorities for years. Yep. For years. Yep. It's always like. Listen, the Republicans are going to do this. The conservatives are going to do that. Mm-hmm. We need all your votes. Mm-hmm. We know that we haven't been there for you in the past, mm-hmm. but we're going to do this, this, this. You're going to be priority one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. As soon as they get the votes, we're not even priority seven, eight, or nine. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah. And so I definitely have seen that. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing with mm-hmm. women of color. Mm-hmm. They're always being like you. Even see it with uh, this current Supreme Court. Um, uh, this Brett Kavanaugh mm-hmm. uh, 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 case, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Before he being confirmed, you know, all these allegations of sexual assault. And there's so many people, so many people running out to uh, defend uh, Miss Ford. And they should be. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem <laughs> with that. My problem is, however, Nobody did that for Anita Hill when it came to Clarence Thomas. That's right. Yeah, there were some people upset. Mm-hmm. But the sh- the sheer volume mm-hmm. of sympathy for mm-hmm. one versus the other mm-hmm. can't be denied. That's you right. know what I'm saying? That's right. And you can't you can't gloss over the obvious reason why. That's right. Or the you know what I'm saying it's their appearance. That's right. That's right. It's the factor of race. And so um and I haven't did the research into this so I don't know for sure, but I think <clears throat> When we look at the the volume of allegations and a volume of cases of uh, women who's been um, bringing their stories to the light and saying their name and saying their experience uh, against these high profile either uh, prof- uh, celebrities or these um, individuals who sit in corporations or these political officials, you will see more um, criminalization image distortion and critique on the validity of black women and Latino women versus the empathetic and validation that goes with white women who brings their um, stories to. And so if a white woman brings their situation to um, uh, um, um, alleging a man as for sexual assault or something, there seems to be automatic some validity there. Right. And I mean, and I this is my theory. Listener discretion is advised. But when we look at the the profile case of Bill Cosby, I I'm, I'm, I would go on a limb to say that the women who who uh, Bill Cosby um, 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 took advantage and exploited in that way, the white women had their had their stories validated more than the sisters did. And then when you go into the class situation, I'm pretty sure some of the women that he took advantage of who were black and probably didn't have the profile that they had, they pro- they were met with so much criticism on whether or not they're just trying to do this to attack him, his character, or to bring, you know, bring some um incredibility to his legacy. And so that's where it gets complicated at is that when women um, 
have to speak and bring their issue to the table, black women still have to deal with the component of being a woman and being um, African descended in this country. And the epitome of white supremacy spins around the black, I mean, the white woman's body. Even though economically it's relied on the black female's body, it purity and the standard of what's right and what's wrong always centered around the sacredness of the white woman. And so, and and that's how white supremacy operates. You know, that's it's, it's that's the structure of it. And the crazy thing about it that is, you say about like how it's like it, it revolves around like the purity and the and how sacred mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it's exploited and dominated so much through pay, like it's a yep. it seems like a love hate relationship with it. Or it no, is. it's not a love hate relationship. It's opportunistic. Mm-hmm. It's when we want to punish somebody else. Their bodies are sacred mm-hmm. and they're pure. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to pushing, uh, pushing forth uh, a patriarch, a, a patriarchal white supremacist mm-hmm. ideals, mm-hmm. Dane Jack. Yeah, because you look how like during this, this you know, what I'm saying the hearing, mm-hmm. how they were trying to drag this lady through the mud, everything for real. They were just, for real. you know, what I'm saying like, for real. or like, I, I, I like to bring up a nice metaphor. Have you seen Black Klansman yet? Nah, I still so you go should. So yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it for you. But there's one part, and one of the one of the Klansmen in there, his wife is so like loyal to him, right? Mm-hmm. And helping, like, trying to come with different ideas of how he can push forth his agenda or whatnot. And he's so disrespectful to her. Mm-hmm. He dismisses her at different mm-hmm. points in time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like. It's crazy. It's like, like I said, it's a love-hate relationship. Now, if, if if she were being approached by a minority, he ain't having that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because she's only viewed as property. That's right. But when she's trying to help him push forth his agenda, mm-hmm. she, you know what I'm saying? Like, she needs to know her role. Like, that's cool, right. your your advice is, is like, but you need to know your role. Like, you, stay, you know, stay in your mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And that's very much how it's still being, like, enacted nowadays the history of this country has defined purity and power white supremacy defined um its structure on purity and power power belongs to the white man the white male landowner purity owns to the white female so it's a purity and power piece and there's moments when they've clashed with each other now here's the complicated thing that a lot of my white feminist sisters don't always you know address is that that purity and power, for the most part, in the tradition of this country, has always been on the same side of the tracks. Yes. Always been on the same side of the tracks. White women has benefited from the power that white men has been able to use. Into Which is why you see something like in the, in the last presidential election, mm-hmm. despite all the, you know what I'm saying, like the pink pussy hats and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember making a comment to somebody. I said, well, if you just look at sheer data... Some of them women out there wearing the hats is just lying. Mm. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, over 50% of white women voted for Donald Trump. So you can't be that right. into, into right. women's rights. That's right. And, and right. be that much of an advocate mm-hmm. for, for your fellow woman when you're deliberately, deliberately casting votes for somebody who doesn't respect women, admits right. all over, That's right. you know what I'm saying, over recording that he has sexually assaulted women. Because white women were willing to put down their purity for the sake of maintaining the because power. Because it's still because it's just like it's just like the uh, the old Southern strategy. Mm-hmm. 
I might not have much. I might not be at the top, but mm-hmm. at least I ain't black. That's right. That's right. That's, that's what it comes down. And to. that's the that's the that became the equation after in the 19th century when a lot of Eastern Europeans Europeans were starting to migrate to this country. That became the equation of becoming white in America. At least I'm not black. How right. fast can you learn the nigger word and know your economic and that's, social positioning? That's why I've always told people too. I was like, you act like. The bar for whiteness doesn't move. Right. It's it does. not it's yeah. not a bar that stays No, it's, it's not stays, stagnant. It's, it's not, not static. static. Yeah. That bar is moved. Always. That bar is moved. Yep. Because once upon a time, if you were Italian, if you're Irish, if you know what I'm saying, so a Jewish, whatever, mm-hmm. you weren't considered white. Yep. But you could earn that. That's right. That bar could be changed. You could earn that. That's right. The only people who cannot earn that is is us. Is us and Native Americans. And we don't yeah, yeah. we we don't want to. That's right. But the bottom line being like and which is why it's also an unfair. Like I heard a lady uh, when I back in the day I used to work for school in mm-hmm. school. She's like, I can't believe there's a Black, black History Month. My people were Irish. They came over here. They weren't considered white either. Either they had to for do about this. forty years. Yeah. I was like, they had to do this, that, and other. I was like, but you considered white now. That's right. You know what I mean? That's like, right. That's right. That's right. And no matter how bad they treated That's you, right. you still got more than black folks. Mm-hmm. So let's not do it. Your mm-hmm. history wasn't the race from you. Yeah. You can still trace all your lineage back That's to the, right. the clan you came from. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. said black folks, we can't do that. Yeah. We're stripped of language, culture, everything. That's right. That's you know right. what I'm saying? That's right. So it's like it's not the same. It's a false equivalence. The Irish was able to, and I don't want to get too far into this kind. The Irish was able to anglicize themselves in so many different processes and to be able to benefit from land grant from um, unions and be able to benefit from all these industrial deals that shift them into whiteness. And and, and there's my one of my brothers, um, Ryan, um, I ain't going to say his name, but he's phenomenal with breaking down. He's a, he's a European-American brother who's been dissecting whiteness for years and he got this thing licked. Part of the complication is that there's been many avenues created, which the Irish, for the most part, was in a very lower class, working class position. But all these avenues created to shift them into this middle class position that allowed them to enjoy and and bask in the fruits of their And I'll even argue that it was strategic, too, because as time progressed and as influence and numbers of African-Americans started to... uh, to excel mm-hmm. and to and, and to progress itself, mm-hmm. um, the rest of white America saw, yo, we need we need numbers too. That's now. right. That's right. So we need, who can we bring into the fold? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that was a component of it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. But all of this, you know what I'm saying? Like we went off on a tangent. All of this though, yeah. and every, everything that you just explained, especially the the female dynamic, mm-hmm. is why I say we. As men, we can't contribute and can't say say anything about how feminism goes other than support it, mm-hmm. follow the women's lead, and we can actually use feminism to to help us um, help us define manhood from the stance of hmm. where we're not not how we define ourselves, mm-hmm. but what we need to stop doing to oppress. To oppress women. Okay. If that makes okay. sense. It does. It does. So some of my thoughts on this is that you're right. Um, when it comes to understanding a patriarchal system that has always benefited and created the comforts of men in this country, black men has in- inherited to some degree those exploits. 
don't I'm de- I, I mean I'm be the first one to put that on record that black men can't say that we're not perpetuators of masculinity, toxic oh, masculinity yeah, we and patriarchy. We, we are. We do. You know, and we've seen it in so many different facets. We've adopted some of the patriarchal ethos of America and had enacted that in our own family structures, in our communities, in the way we operate business. I mean, some I my brother Tavis, Tavis Smiley, man. Like this, I know. What a fall from grace! I know, I know. What a fall from grace! Man, it hurts, and and it's not that I wasn't a true, true. I wasn't a fan, fan like that. But you know, you you grow to respect. You convicts. go to respect him. He was yeah. prominent in the black. He community. was very prominent, and he. And so he, you hate to see that he took courageous stance on things. He took a strong political perspective, and it's not to say he's irrelevant because he's still relevant. I'm his position in. Exploiting sisters sexually and womanizing them and taking advantage of them in his position of influence in that business, in that corporation, is problematic. Now, does that invalidate some of his positions on where black America is? No. But it does mean that we still got to deal with that essential question. And so... Does black feminism need to inform black manhood? Yes. In that sense that it allows us black men to be able to break some of the shackles that we've inherited psychologically and socially from America. That conditioning. That conditioning. From the entire uh, uh, makeup of how we become black men in America. Some of that is almost like in a psychological DNA of our manhood lies this patriarchal gene (laughs) is that we that black feminism is a powerful antidote to that it nullifies that it allows us to have a more better perspective on how to view black men and black women relationship now here's where it gets complicated black feminism isn't perfect it's not a it's not a perfect theory and it does it perfectly lay on top of the framework of black people in this country. Feminism as a whole can't fully describe the relationship between the black man and a black woman. And part and parcel is because politically and economically, we have not shared the entire uh, benefits, the fruits or the exploits that white constituents have shared when it comes to the uh, patriarchal piece. We have it. And when you look at our situation um, economically, you know, in this country for years, for all of the 1900s, for the most part, we've always had an egalitarian economic background. We can't say we've economically exploited women, black women, for our benefits. Now, does it happen? Yes. Yeah. But we can't bear in those fruits. We haven't created corporate, you know, for the most part, created corporate um, structures where black well, women has like, earned yeah. this amount versus black men. That's not us. No, that's we not still, that's still dominated uh, by white, by white, by, by white. white. Yes, but do we inherit that? Yes. And when you look at the working class black family, or when you look at the working class relationship between um, men who makes less than forty thousand and women who makes less than forty thousand, you see more of an egalitarian relationship between the economic relationships. Now, that doesn't mean that their morals and values don't do that. And then we have to go into the conversation of the Christian church and how they perpetuated some of this beliefs around the man being at the head of the house. We have to talk about that. But it becomes a situation of we can't say that feminism can fully define what the relationship between black 
manhood and black womanhood looks like now does it inform it does it shed light onto our situation yes absolutely and can it in black womanism you know like our sisters in the late 60s and the early 70s kind of reculturated black women coming up with black womanism does that inform how black men should understand the the, the woman's relationship to yes because womanism in the late 60s and the 70s said i'm not going to um I'm not going to uh, uh, I'm not going to upset or just kind of break down manhood. I'm not going to say that we don't need men, which is what some feminist scholars and feminist thought was kind of leaning towards that we can do this thing independently. Black womanhood, womanism said, I am going to define and declare myself as a black woman who has these rights in conjunction to my black man to my husband, to my brother, to my uncles, and that I'm trying to level the playing field where there's some ego, there's some egalitarian relationship and not just the black man being the head of the household and the woman is domesticated. I'm trying to level that playing field so I can create equal opportunities in a career position right. where I can compete against this black man. But I'm going to do I'm that to elbow do that. to elbow. And, and in turn, that dilutes those gender roles. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because you and I also had a you know, conversation about gender roles, what we think about them, and, and how that should look. And I said, succumbing to gender roles can really throw off the true balance for some households. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is like, some women are just better at being the head of the house. Some women are better at, you know what I'm saying? Like, if it's about going out, making the money and stuff like that, mm-hmm. for some women, and you know, some relationships, they're better suited for that. And some men but are why better. why are they better? It could, it could come down for way different things, their personality, mm-hmm. life experiences, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know what I'm saying, like, there, you might have some men who are better suited for... For being the one who are like in the house taking mm-hmm. care of the kids, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so when you try to force, let's say, you know what I'm saying, like you spoke briefly to me about a couple that you knew where, you know what I'm saying, like the husband that just wasn't his thing, yeah. like professionally to be yeah. out in the household, That's like I'd right. be out working like that mm-hmm. and um and that he wasn't savvy like economically and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But he was very good mm-hmm. as far as domestic stuff was. Mm-hmm. It, it it fulfilled him a great deal That's right. to to take care of his, his kids. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Make sure dinner and stuff was ready mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the wife in that situation was more she was more fulfilled and more happy, like being out the house, go getting on the grind. Mm-hmm. That was her spot. Mm-hmm. Now imagine how it, how their relationship would be. If both of them were forced to switch and go by the traditional uh, uh, gender right. role, that's right. Even though neither one of their personalities mm-hmm. fit that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how harmonious would that house actually actually be? That's right. And the, and then the opposite is true. In some households, it is where it's you know what I'm saying maybe it's the female who really likes to be at home mm-hmm. doing the domesticated type stuff mm-hmm. and the man likes to be out or maybe it's the or maybe it's both of them actually like to be out working mm-hmm. and grinding mm-hmm. and leaving the whole you know taking care of the house and the cooking and taking care of the kids to a grandparent mm-hmm. or a daycare it's not what I would do I would like to at least have you know <clears throat> you know when my time comes to have children I would like to have at least one of the parents you know what I'm saying with the kid I don't mm-hmm. No disrespect to people who have to do it. People do it for their own reasons, mm-hmm. economic reasons, 
you know, personal reasons. I just wouldn't want if I, you know, you spend a lot of your life at work. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want the care of my child to be in the hands of somebody else. That's right. For the majority of their, you know what I'm saying? The That's majority right. of their life. You That's know what right. I mean? I want one of the parents to be there as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not knocking anybody who does need child. Because let's mm-hmm. be face it, to be honest, that's reality mm-hmm. in the, for most of Americans. Mm-hmm. The way our economy is and the way yeah. jobs are. It has to be two earners. It's yeah. got to be two earners mm-hmm. and people got to be, and kids have to be in child care. That's which right. I respect it and I get it. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, mm-hmm. whether it's your preference or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll reiterate that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to get back to what I was saying, like, forcing people to, 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 to stick to one gender role or, or the traditional set of gender roles or mm-hmm. whatever, that can really throw off the harm- the harmony of a household and yeah. a relationship. That's right. And so I just don't agree with it. You know what I mean? So, I think whatever the roles for 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 the the gender roles should differ um, um, as it pertains to each individual couple. I agree. I agree. The, you know, it, whatever works for a particular family to mm-hmm. be harmonious, that's right. Happy, loving. Caring and mm-hmm. most successful. Mm-hmm. That's what your gender role should be. That's what your gender role should be. That's where I. That's totally agree. Gender roles should be fluid to where it becomes a family defined type thing and not something that's associated to your manhood and then associated to your uh, your Christian beliefs or Muslim beliefs and then associated to this is what men supposed to be. Right. I think gender roles is a social construct. We know it is. Yep. And, you know, psychologists and sociologists say gender role is, is defined based on the cultural values and the cultural expressions and beliefs and principles of that community. And so it should be something that is fluid enough to where we say we're, we adjusted our gender role, our gender uh, definition to where this is how we define it. Like the man, the father is more involved with the children and the mother likes to do the home maintenance piece and make sure that there's an income coming in or in a two um to um a dual earner household, both mother and father both share in those household duties and share in the nurturings and the development of the children so that the man knows that he's also a nurturing component psychologically to that child. Right. He's not just a bacon bringer. You know, right. he's not just there for the financial and, and to do some hard discipline. No, it means that when his son is crying, he knows how to bring that empathetic, secure connection to and that turn son. His son through through watching his father model it knows that's it's right. okay for him to be that way as that's well. That's right, exactly. So that way this whole, you know, lazy, lazy ass, incomplete definition of mm-hmm. what manhood is supposed to be when it comes to emotions and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. isn't repeated down the line. Exactly. Because we've talked to that. We've talked about that, you know, in our in our work as being male doulas, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That you know, so often it's important for us to get the men involved and to do this, especially for us to do this work, because all too often men are conditioned to believe throughout the birth process that their only role or their only position is they help make the baby. Yep. And maybe you're there financially. Yep. You may be there financially and maybe there to protect. That's right. So then so then after the, you know, the baby's born, mm-hmm. when the man and, and everybody's and everybody, a lot of people are actually complicit in that. Yep. From doctors who talk, you know, yep. through the man over his head around him, but they rarely ever talk to him. That's right. To even family members who, when a man is excited about having a baby, mm-hmm. say, 
well, you ain't pregnant. You ain't doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You ain't the one to have your feet hurt. Mm-hmm. You ain't the one who this, that, and other. Mm-hmm. Well, we've both spoken in depth about that just as during the pregnancy process, just as women are going through uh, 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 um, chemical changes and muscle yep. changes, so are men. So are men. Men go through you know hormonal changes as well, mm-hmm. a hormone that actually makes them uh, want to be more protective and monogamous mm. during this process. Mm. It's 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 a fact. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we ignore all of that because of why? Because what we these uh, pr- uh, you know proposed and traditional gender roles That's are. Right. That's right. And so we condition men to not do that. Mm-hmm. So then what happens after the baby's born when a man isn't compassionate, he's sensitive or whatever? Mm-hmm. We you know we are looking at him. Uh, as if he, you know, he doesn't want to be a part of the baby. That's right. When he could be just simply going through postpartum depression. That's right. Which it is a fact that men, some men go through just as women go mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or when the relationship splits up because of a lack of communication and lack of understanding between him and his significant other or the mother of the child. Mm-hmm. Um because they don't understand these nuances about each other, mm-hmm. and then he's not around, but he's contributing, you know, financially through child support. He thinks he's doing his part because he's like, "Why? Well, well, I pay my child support, or I give you money." Mm-hmm. You know, we know logically that that is only a component of being small a father. Small component. It's a mm-hmm. very small component. Mm-hmm. But you've conditioned him for over nine months. That that's all he's needed for. That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? So you can't condition him to believe that that is his role, and then all of a sudden. He needs to flip a switch and understand that his role is larger than that. That's right. Especially if he has no blueprint before him. That's right. What if he doesn't yeah. have a father? That's right. You know, in place mm-hmm. that 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 could show him different. Mm-hmm. But there's no. Or he had a father there, but his father, you know, was conditioned mm-hmm. and, and essentially reenacts the same exact role mm-hmm. that he's doing. So you know, we do we do with some fathers the same way we do a kid. We do. We with do. Kids. I say we do a great job in this country of sending kids out in the world ill prepared, but yep. then we get mad at them when they don't, when they mess up or they're not successful. When they can't produce themselves as men and and mature adults. So, but I have to bring us back to the question that I asked. When it comes to that, do we need to have some type of social community parameter that defines or at least influence manhood? Yeah, I think the original couple components that I laid out. Mm-hmm. Supportive of your family mm-hmm. or your community, loving mm-hmm. and happy. Okay, I think when you have those three things, those mm-hmm. are at least the foundation, the building blocks. Mm-hmm. Through those three things, you can still remain fluid enough. It's not rigid. It's, you can still remain fluid enough to where your role for your individual household can mm-hmm. be formed, mm-hmm. and because it's being formed out of a need and desire to be supportive, mm-hmm. a need and desire to 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 to, to love, mm-hmm. and a need and desire to succeed or be constructive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And those three characteristics, or three or four characteristics, or or uh, components, mm-hmm. can fit anywhere. Mm-hmm. Whether it be in a more domesticated role, mm-hmm. whether whether it be you know what I'm saying the uh, the 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 role of being out and how you know the one making money, mm-hmm. whether it's being the hunter, being the gatherer, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. all those three components can fit in within those very well. Mm-hmm. So that means so, and I hear you saying more of like 
as a people, we need to establish these principles yes. that establish Cause manhood. Because we, we don't necessarily have principles. Because we, we put the structure in front put, of principles. That's right. We put structure in front of, front of, front of mm-hmm. morality. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, mm-hmm. we put domination of other people yeah. in front of what, what, what is more logical. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or more pragmatic. Yeah, you did. You did what I'm saying. I do. I do, and that's the reason why I was pushing on that with that question is because I think that's where we've gotten in trouble. We've indoctrinated manhood based on a script that was established by white supremacy and that we've inherited from white supremacy, right? right? And so we've looked at John Wayne and said, this is what it looks like to be a man. We've looked at um, Dick Tracy and said, this is what it looked like, uh, Humphrey Bogart. And we've looked at all of these different definitions, all the way going back to the plantation system, where there was a little bit more intimacy between black children and the black mothers, and but we've looked and defined so much of our manhood based on emulating white, wealthy, class men. And so... Perfect it, example of that? You've mm-hmm. seen the movie Fences? Yes, yes. Denzel's character? Yes, that? yes. Isn't that a perfect the, example of toxic masculinity? Yep. Isn't it a perfect example of toxic masculinity? Quintessential. That's Not that. loving to his, his son, son, pushes yep. him away, yep. shoots in all his dreams, That's all right. because... And, and what do you even say? I'll take care of you. Right. But you know it wasn't saying? in my contract to love yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't in my pay. I wasn't supposed to love I wasn't, you. Yeah. I take care of you. I provide you food, this, this, shelter, yep. <laughs> everything else. You yep. live in my house. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Perfect example. That's that's the that's And his right son there. grows up damaged thinking that's his right. dad don't love him. Don't at love all. him. Trying to uh um trying to live up to an expectation that he himself can't himself live up can't to. Because I've said that before too. I've said Masculinity or the definition of masculinity a lot of times mm-hmm. people don't realize is a standard set by somebody else who can't live up to that standard themselves. That's right. That's right. He couldn't make it to go pro. Mm-hmm. So what he do? His son's got all these opportunities athletically yeah. and what he wanna do? He don't want him to take advantage of none. He don't, wanna, yeah. he don't want him to play football. Mm-hmm. He don't want him to do baseball, none of that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he's bitter. That's right. All it does is it eats you up. It makes you bitter. That's right. And so you you, you couldn't get somewhere, you can't reach a standard. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you try to put an impossible standard yep. or a false standard upon somebody else that's right and so i think but so here's where it gets complex at is that we need to establish these principles um loving family um loving yourself whatever whatever these principles is i like the three that you define that becomes the hallmark and the complete definition of what manhood is founded off of. How do you think we go about doing that? It has to be taught. It has to be raised. It has to be um, spoken about. And it has to be emulated in our art. Art is one of the best ways that we, you know, teach, you know, about manhood and stuff. And it, that's why it gets so absorbed into pop culture. And it becomes a thing. And then once it becomes pop culture, then it's get dominated by corporates, margins, profit, and all of that stuff. And that's something we got to yeah. stay away from. Yeah, exactly. Like, stay away so, from the desire to try to get rich quick. Because exactly. when you do that, anytime, I feel it's, it's not even just that. I, I don't want to make it seem like these industries are horrible. Right. Even though I have my issues with them, because mm-hmm. what can because ha- what I'm about to say can happen in any walk of life. Mm-hmm. The moment you let someone else co-opt your message, mm-hmm. it's surely going to you lose its original purpose. That's right. Or meaning. That's right. 
And right. I think that that's what happens a lot of time when, in these different forms of art, like that's music right. and stuff like that. That's right. By signing on the dotted line, you've allowed somebody else to co-opt your message. That's right. Right? That's right. So to make this money and fulfill your contract, mm-hmm. you have to put out as many records in the style that this company wants you to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And therefore, your original message or how you got into the game is, is gone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if your message is somewhat similar to that, it's not going to be quite the same. That's right. That's right. And so... But I, 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 so what I side away from is that because I've, I've talked to some of my colleagues and some of my younger colleagues who they're bent on this individual definition of their womanhood, individual definition of their manhood. And while I really appreciate that, I think that there's power in that. Where I'm complex to being able to support them with is that when you don't have a collective principle that is anchored in, then your manhood can become a problem if it doesn't match up to some moral um, moral positioning and adjustment to society. So let me give you an example. If you have uh, a man who says that I'm a man by how many women I sleep with, I'm a man by the car that I roll, which is, you know, what we have. And I'm defining my own definition of manhood. And I'm a man by never staying in one place for any given time. I'm going to move to this city. I'm going to move to Papa this city. Papa was a rolling stone. Papa was a rolling stone. Um, when you say that I define my own manhood and these are the principles and this is what I live by, that becomes problematic for our community. And so now you have, yeah. And so now you and you, you had different men who's defining their manhood in all their own unique ways, but is not anchored in a social parameters that gives these principles. Then you have everybody saying, "I'm a man." You know, you can have um, a grown man, fifty something years old, with you know, with 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 looking just busted up, but because he's his own man. And nobody else defined his manhood. He's, he's walked away from obligations, responsibilities. He ain't contributing to the community in any way. But he feels like he's a man. It doesn't support the growth collectively of our peoplehood. Because, and, and everybody's running around talking about their man. And so we need some type of parameters to be able to say, not a doctrine, but a principle parameter, like the three that you highlight, or even more, whatever it is, and say, as long as you have these pieces a part of your manhood, then you can define it. However then you, you could like. define it however you like. You could look the way you. It could look. Right. You've been domesticated I, with your children. Right. Because I truly believe if you use. Sorry to cut you off. No, you can. If you use those three principles, then however you define your manhood, it won't be in a self-destructive manner. Right. Because a lot of those things that you. Uh, you use as examples, those are very self-destructive. Those are behaviors of somebody who mm-hmm. is um, who's looking for self, looking yep. for something. That's right. Not quite contenting themselves. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because, and, 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 and where I'm going with that, I'm not saying that you have to be like, that you can't be sexually adventurous, that you can't be a person who wants to explore the world. Mm-hmm. And go and travel and different stuff like that. But the picture, when you said that, the description you gave, the picture you painted for me was of somebody who is just like aimless. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I think 
that as long as you have some sort of a positive direction rooted in principles that are that are healthy and conducive to 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 yourself and growing to be a better person, mm-hmm. much like we were saying, then yeah, define it however you want. Mm. Okay, but that that's also still and as right as we're sitting here right now, kind of making me think too. Like where else that could go? Because I still feel like that could go to a couple of different mm-hmm. directions. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. See, this is what this is what. Um, and again, we build and continue to evolve from our past. We're not our past. We are part of our past, and our past is right. a part of us. And our past never leaves. That's what Mahmoud teaches. But we continue to evolve and develop from our past. But this is what our brothers um, before colonial infusion. This is where our ancestors was really establishing. They established a principle of manhood in the Ive, in the Yoruba, in the Ashanti, in the um, in the um, the K, um, the Igbo. They established manhood on principle, and then in the collective groupings, they defined it through these doctrines. And they said, "You are a man when you pass this." You are a man when you do this, and you are a man when you do this, and then a part of your manhood gives you this membership and this influence and power amongst the group of people, and so amongst your people. And so principally, they established manhood, and then on top of those principles, they created the doctrine of manhood. And so in America, we can't have that kind of... you. That, that strong structure because we're dealing with a lot more complexities than what our brothers dealt with before and our ancestors dealt with before right. colonization. And so um, being colonialized in America, America has at the root of its ethos this individualism, this rugged individualism, this, this liaison fear of a person coming and pulling themselves up by his bootstraps. But it's very much just really indicative of this country as a itself because if you look at other nations as a whole, like it's not like that. Yeah, we're the most individualistic. That's right. I was even telling people that if you go to other 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 countries, not even other countries, let's say you visit the households of people from different cultures here in this very same country. Mm -hmm. All right, it's not odd to see three or four generations living under the same roof. That's right. That's right. But in America, if you see that, yeah. You calling somebody a bum? Mm-hmm. You you you. Mm-hmm. It's got to be for a reason. It's mm-hmm. like what happened? Is somebody sick, mm-hmm. or is somebody fall on some hard times? Yeah. It can't just be be because there's a judgment on it. It's a cohesive family mm-hmm. unit. Mm-hmm. There's a judgment on it, and that and think about how that level of thinking has influenced the 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 psychological orientation of people, all people in America. You know, um, and so and and that's what I'm saying. Like we've also embrace some of this individualistic thinking and so some of this at the root of how we define manhood and womanhood is that we want that uniqueness to be able to say i'm a man and i kind of have my own definition of manhood and so we share that in america but i think from an african orientation and i always come with that because that's our i allege i know it's my allegiance to my collective peoplehood is that there's something we could still learn from my ancestors mm-hmm. and i think it's what we've nailed it down to We still have to have a communal or collective kind of principle that anchors our womanhood and manhood. It can't just be um, this individual 
definition that I want to define based on my own standards as an individual. Like America would tell you, you got the right to do when really they don't. But it has to be something that I say, if I'm going to define my manhood in this way, my principles that I operate from comes from my descendancy as an African in this country. And so that comes with loving family, loving myself, and helping others. And so if my manhood is banked on those three principles, then I know however that I define my individual manhood, I still have that as my core. And it's still and part of my I think I love what Naeem Akbar contributes to the conversation of manhood. Um, he brings it to the conversation of black manhood. You ain't a true man unless you're finding some way to build your peoplehood up. Unless you're finding some way to build your peoplehood up. And this is where it gets controversial because there's a lot of brothers who are successful, who's making, you know, well, standardized Western success, making six figures. But not helping um, the community. But not helping the community. And can we, you know, according to Naeem Akbar's definition, associate them to black manhood? People, some people will say, of course you can and as other people will say, no, you cannot. And so it, this is, it's a complex issue around um, black manhood. And then, when you, of course, like we talked about in the beginning, bringing in the conversation of black feminism and how that informs black manhood, you'll find a lot of brothers who fall off. And, you know, what's, what's my guy, Eric Benet, you know, he admitted he got <laughs> issues when it comes to the sisters. You know, he loved the sisters. And so he would mess up a relationship because he, he self-destructive. self-destructive. And so it becomes, can you say, well, you ain't a true man. You ain't a true man because you can't respect the, you know, from a black feminist perspective, you can't bring into the conversation the sensi- sensibility to ethically treating black women in a way that respects them, that honors them, that appreciates them, and that values who they are. And you, I mean, and so I think principally, we so still play. have to have okay. a community foundation of what manhood and womanhood looks like. We still have to. Now, is it fully defined in this doctrine that the man is the head of the household and the woman is is equal servant, uh, is equal level servant, and that he has to be the one to go out and do the hard work, labor, and the woman say, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it looks like that. Would you say that we fall in danger of Kind of gently rolling it, rolling back into this very restrictive form of manhood. When you, like you pointed out, Eric Benet, mm-hmm. yep, and like he got his issues, but by defi- saying like, well, technically, because he, because that's his vice, you mm-hmm. know, that's his thing, that's his I mean, issue. Mm-hmm. Everybody got issues; mm-hmm. they manifest themselves in different ways. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. That we all need help with or whatever. That because his particular issue is of being a womanizer or whatnot, that he's not a real man. That's where it gets difficult at, right? Right. And then that's that's why I'm just asking for clarification on because I have a hard time I I'm not gonna say son, I'm not gonna say I have a hard time. Mm-hmm. I rec I'm gonna say I recognize the flaw, the possible flaw in our philosophy mm-hmm. when we sit here and say nobody has to be perfect. Everybody, you know, is working on themselves and working on something. Mm-hmm. But you can be a real man like that unless your issue is this. Mm-hmm. Unless your vice is that. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, in a way, we've kind of done that yeah, with him. Yeah, we do. Yep. And so we you do. have to look at that and go, 
well, wow, does that make us does it make us a hypocrite? Right. Or does it or does it or is that 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 us uh, that steady slope mm-hmm. that that you know what I'm saying that fall off the cliff of well, you know what? We can't do that. So then we got to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then if we're gonna do that, then we got to do this, mm-hmm. and then we got to do that, mm-hmm. and then pretty soon it's either super restrictive mm-hmm. or it's open to everything again, right. where you don't have any type of yeah, uh, you know, guide or, or, or guys mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I still fall back on like yeah, love for everybody looks different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taking care of family for everybody looks different. It does. And taking care of your community for everybody looks different. That's right. right. And if your community or your family or your significant others are in an understanding with your vices, the way you behave or the way you move or so on and so forth, Mm -hmm. then even though it's not appealing to us, we technically have to accept that. Mm. If it's not destructive to their... That's right. To their... You know what I'm saying? Like... To, to their community and to their family and to themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's something we might not agree with. It might be destructive to our community, but if they're not bringing it to our community and it's set within their community, mm. do we look at that and say, well... Yeah. I, I, you that's, know, a, I, that's a hard thing to answer. It is. It is. It is. But that's why I like having these conversations. Cause I it's feel important. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like some stuff you kind of come to a consensus or you come to an answer with mm-hmm. and then some stuff becomes even more confusing and questionable than it was to begin with right right <laughs> it does but i think one thing that it helps us to elevate is that manhood is not a static condition and that's what you said in the beginning yes it's not static it's a dynamic thing um that we're constantly practice and getting better at mm-hmm. manhood in 25 years of age look different than manhood at 40 <laughs> and manhood at 40 looks different than 65 yeah cuz i i ain't in my 40s but i tell you what to be in my 30s mm-hmm. at first of all i tell you right now like i told you before i've never been like out there as far as like a troublemaker getting caught up in the stuff mm-hmm. different things like that mm-hmm. but I had my fair share of adventures <laughs> in my early 20s you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah. I've had I my fair you. share of adventures I in my you. early 20s mm-hmm. and while I'm not perfect and I still make mistakes I've still made I've still made some huge mistakes mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying even in the past couple of years mm-hmm. I've grown a tremendous amount yep and, and I can look at stuff now Back then, I did my twenties. I'm like, "What in the Sam Hill hell was I thinking? Was going on?" Mm-hmm. And that is not at all what I would advise any young man to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Given the opportunity. That's right. That's right. I think one of the things that I think we do fall in the, under the misconception is that we can produce, or are we supposed to produce men. At 19, at 20, at 21, that somehow when you get 21 and of legal age, you're supposed to be a man. man. And some of us, yeah, I don't even, let's go, let's even put it out there and say, Mm -hmm. it ain't even that society makes us believe us. Some of us Mm want to be. We try to grow up too fast. We We think we We do. We do. Some of us, it don't even take that long. That's right. Boy, as soon as our 18th birthday hit. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't nobody tell you nothing. That's you right. Think. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You think you made it that you are a real yes. man. And so and there's these there's these cultural 
um, images that we get in our head of what we think we can do when we're 18, what we think we could do when we're 21, and why we think we're a man because we've arrived to this age. And one of the most helpful things that will help us as we build and try to recapture our own definition of manhood is to get rid of this numerology associated with manhood. Yeah. That manhood is connected to this age and is connected to this numerical number and that we have to... That's part of that restrictive process that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's part of the, one of the, the things that restricts us because mm-hmm. we think we try to rush our own part, you know, mental, emotional growth yeah. to to be what we think is uh, is the quintessential man right? based on how old am I right now? Mm-hmm. So I need to do that or whatever. Or some of us don't even think like that. We think as soon as we turn the age, however we behave, mm-hmm. even if it might be with the emotional intelligence of a 12-year-old, mm-hmm. that that's, that's, yo. That's right. That's what that's right. being a man is all that's about. That's what being a man is all about. And it's, and it's, and, and it, so if we can start really bringing in the principal nature, those parameters that's based on the principles that we're elevating into the cultivation of manhood, then we can start helping young brothers to um, consider the feminine's perspective at nine years of age. We can start helping young brothers consider um, loving the community and yet loving yourself at 12 years of age. We can start considering um, helping young men um, realize that you have to help your community and build your community at 15. And so that becomes an aspect of who they are. And then by the time they're in that later stage in life or that early young adulthood, how they continue continue to explore and define their manhood will be rooted in these principles that they've had continuous experiences with throughout their childhood. And I, I think that's that's the essential formula that we need to really kind of undo this definition. I don't. I think the church is a component of that. I think the mosque is a component of that. And if we have. I have my issues with, with, with them to enter. I know, zone. I know. With the religious aspect, it's very problematic. Yeah, but that's why I say I think it's a I'm component. Very much for, yeah, some very yeah. much I think, for being spiritual, yep. you know, believing in higher powers, that's so right. on and so forth. But religion itself, man, has just been used it's to dominate and manipulate yeah. people so that's right. much, man. That's like, right. I have a hard time. Like, I mean, look at. You, prime example. We see what the current administration is doing, how divisive it is. Mm-hmm. How misogynistic, how racist it is. Mm-hmm. Do you know how high their approval ratings are with evan- evangelicals, Mm-mm. evangelical Christians? Mm-mm. I th- I want to say when I was on was on CNN. Or maybe I was listening to Don Lemon, and it was like upwards of like 80 percent. Wow. wow, yo, that's the church. Wow, I, I didn't know that. That's the church, bro. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and so you know, and even historically speaking, mm-hmm. man, like. The church itself has oppressed women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very the church so. has been against anything that has been against science, mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. I even have my issues now with modern day, uh, with like, for instance, modern day Catholicism. Um, I've even asked people, I was like, has any, if the church is supposed to be, uh, I don't mean to pick on, you know, Catholics either, just so nobody get all uptight out there. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying in general. You know, but you look at the, you know, what's going on with the, with, you know, with these priests molesting these kids. Mm-hmm. Nothing else, you know, nothing more serious has been done to reprimand. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying like 
the Catholic Church mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Or you look at if, if if religion and stuff is supposed to be about truth, honesty, openness. You want everybody to believe in that, right? You mm-hmm. want everybody to come to the light, right? Mm-hmm. You want everybody to be exposed to that and adopt that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is the Vatican the most protected, secretive place on the planet? Mm-hmm. The Vatican is almost like some military installations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't know what goes on in there. That's right. If it's supposed to be the the pinnacle of light, the pinnacle of truth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you want everybody to adopt that and know what that's about, shouldn't it be open? Mm-hmm. 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 Accessible to the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is it so secretive? Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Or is it, I mean, whatever. Maybe it's just me who thinks like that. But no. I'm like, no. there's not it. You know, I'm frequently one of those people that's like, is no, nobody else questioning this mm-hmm. but me? You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And and so okay, so one of the things that's important that you elevated was the black folks in their relationship with the biblical text and the biblical tradition, Christianity. Um, it's it's on one aspect we can't argue that it has served us well. It had its you know, place because it, it gave people place. hope to hold through, yep. especially during you know those days of enslavement. That's right. And during Reconstruction, the right. Jim Crow era, stuff That's like right. that. And I would say black folks' use of Christianity. Because I, I, I think what we had to do is we had to transfer our spirituality and our commitment to a higher power, our ontology, what academia calls our ontology. We transferred that to Christianity. We moved it from um, the Yoruba tradition. We moved it from the Vudan, we've moved it from these other African spiritualities into Christianity by force through the enslavement process, through power association and everything. So it wasn't necessarily a choice in most sectors. It was one of those that we adopted. You did, through, yeah, you had to do. We had to do it, yeah, and it was a survival piece. Um, and so when the process of transferring, we took on this whole Christian thing and redefined our manhood. We defined our perspective on the world through it. And so we have brought in America a lot of the most ethical principles from Christianity we've manifested into light. Okay, that's Africans in this country have done that for Christianity. And so when it comes to our manhood, we still anchor so much of it based on what Genesis and what Exodus and what Leviticus say. And so it's important for us to consider other ways of thinking, especially African ways of thinking, when it comes to how we understand manhood. Now, I'm not saying colonial Africa. I'm talking about traditional understandings of Africa that really brings us back to the global community because when we look at traditional ways of African thinking and being we find out it's very in common to everybody across the world you know like Africans you know we have a very communalistic perspective but just like a lot of folks in Asia just like a lot of my Native American brothers the Dakotas Lakotas and the Ojibwe and the and the Creek all of them have a very communalistic way of thinking right. yeah. and when we look at the landscape of a broader globe whether you're talking about the um the um who's my people that's in Guam the um before Catholicism the um 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 uh, my, my mind slips me but my sister she's uh my sister-in-law she's a uh, she's from Guam and um 
And before Catholicism, they had a way of of defining womanhood and manhood that was very sacred. Um, you could look at what Disney had done exploited with the Moana and the the folks that's over in the in the islands over there. They have a very traditional way of uh, defining manhood and womanhood. And so f- before colonial America, um, there was there was kind of this very commonality between how. Um, indigenous people across the globe viewed themselves in relationship to nature, to their manhood, and to the universe, to God. But in the biblical prism, it looks very specific. And I think that's the piece we have to contend with. It doesn't mean yeah, that we have we to end trouble again. That's where we get in trouble. Specifics. Yeah, those specifics. Because you can't be as fluid. Exactly. I think the key to this whole thing, I feel like the key word to this whole thing is like fluidity. Mm-hmm. Fluidity. And if um, the church, Bruce Lee used to say he had mm-hmm. one of these the, the, one of the dopest quotes, and I'm I'm paraphrasing it, uh-huh. but he was saying like, "Be like water, water, yeah, like water can take on any form." That's you know right. what I'm saying? It can that's adjust, right. be malleable to anything. That's right. And I think that's what we have to look at in terms of manhood, uh, being a good human being in general, mm-hmm. being fluid, because no situation is the same. Mm-hmm. They're all different. That's right. They may all be similar. That's right. But there are different nuances of things about it that may be different. That's you right. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's and, right. And I think we have to keep, we definitely have to keep that in mind. And that's the piece that I will, I will argue with my black clergy, you know, who I love so much because I really admire the tradition when some of them have been radical enough to be political in their in their religious convictions, when they took the church into the streets and said, "We are going to not only save people, but we're going to we're going to challenge injustice." So I'm behind the black church when they manifest manhood in that way. But with our black clergy comes with this very restricted kind of position on what manhood looks like. It doesn't allow for fluidity, and I will argue with. Black, the black church with that, you know, because if there was more fluidity in manhood, then I will see more black women in clergy positions across the country. Yeah. And there's histo- no reason that there, that there isn't. That's right. That's right. You know, uh, it's not, uh, there's some, I know, I know a woman who's a reverend. I know quite a few women who are pastors, but the broader but the ratio, though, the ratio was just way off. It's way off. And, and there was largely some serious suppression of black women playing leadership roles in black churches in the, in the 20th century and even the 19th century. It was like unheard of. Even though it exists, there's a few sisters who rose up to be in very influential positions in the church, but it came with some heavy social ramifications. And so when black manhood and womanhood is restricted to these particular ethos that arrives out of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and whatever, that's when we're limiting our fluidity. I can dig it. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you something else, too. And this is something that I had to... I actually got in a little debate with a couple sisters about, and this was uh, before the certification stuff that you and I got. Mm-hmm. And basically what I got into it with them about was this whole, them you know spouting out this whole stuff like, Men are trash. Black mm-hmm. men are trash. Yada yada yada. And for the sake of being respectful to their feelings and to a lot of women's feelings and to the movement of man, you know, you, you know, the feminist movement mm-hmm. or whatever, I can understand how some get frustrated and say things like that. Because mm. some of us have treated women in a very disrespectful manner. Mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, do we get on some of them for like, for instance, like this is I came back with because I happened to know her 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 child's father. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew him when he was a young guy, and the behaviors that she doesn't like in him now. I've known him long enough to know he's displayed them same behaviors when he was in grade school. Mm. So he's not shown anything different. Mm-hmm. So I hit back with, are all black men trash or is your decision-making trash? Mm. 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 Because the way he behaved, you didn't walk into that blindfolded. Right. Right. So I guess my question for you is, at what point do we, as men... Sit back. Do we sit back and take that type of language and take that type of verbal onslaught? Because, as I highlighted earlier, we have given, as a whole, we've given we've given women a lot to be frustrated about yeah. and to be angry about. All women, all right? But then, especially when it comes to women of color, I can definitely see how they're frustrated and angry. Do we sit back and take that verbal onslaught, or do we hit back, or do we, do? is it incumbent upon us to come back and try to... Yo, all of us ain't like that. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? What like what have you done to avoid said situations in your life? Now, are there some things about you that you need to fix right. to 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 do better so that you don't run into these type of men? Or is that that verbal onslaught that they take that they give and that we take is that just part of the healing process and we need to let them vent, so to speak? I think I think you hit it on the nail on the last one. I think we have to let her sisters vent and have a space to throw their pain out right you know um you know when we talk and we're speaking out of our pain and our you know a lot of people use the word trauma but our emotional adversities we generalize yeah we generalize we make these other two yeah yeah we make these blanket statements that through that sounds like we're throwing all black men and black women into the same spot right and so in that sister's experience, yes, that's true to her. True don't, don't ain't always ain't, true. Ain't saying we're facts. <laughs> we're not talking about facts. We're just talking about that's your truth. And Man, so, I feel like that's something that's happened just in this last couple of years. Like truth and facts not being the same. Exactly, thing. they're like, not the God, same things. Not, not in a million years when I was right. younger did I think that that would be. Mm-hmm. It's very important to distinguish the two. Yeah. Dr. And, J- I, and I would also make the... But I, so go ahead and finish what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want... One thing I want to ask you about, too, is, you know, you said something like, that's that person's truth. Mm-hmm. Like, at what point do we stop accepting that, too? Yeah. And I'm not and I'm not talking about in terms of how women feel or how men feel, anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm saying is because I've heard a lot of people with very, like, misogynistic xenophobic or racist racist sentiments go well this is my truth mm-hmm. well at what point they be like mm-hmm. uh, that's not true that's just how you feel like you spouting BS right like that ain't true at all like I don't want to the fact that we have many different truths out there yeah then we shouldn't have the word truth we should yeah. just use the word narrative yeah that's my narrative or this is my perspective yes perspective is when most people are saying this is my truth they're really just Trying to define this is my perspective, perspective or my yeah. narrative. Because truth to me, truth is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It is. It can't be refuted. 
And this is me not being religious. I know. That is like a religious. I've, I've heard that come from like a yeah. religious, like the Bible. Like yeah. the truth is indistinguishable. Mm-hmm. The truth is the truth. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you can have something can be true for a moment mm-hmm. for a particular situation. Mm-hmm. But for a broad mm-hmm. picture, mm-hmm. when you're saying all Hispanics come over here illegally and rape people, mm-hmm. that's I don't care what you say. That You can't tell me that that's your truth that's because right. that's false. That's right. That's right. right. And I, some, I read this, I read, I can't remember who it was. Um, back in the day, I read that there's a distinguish between truth and absolute truth. Mm. And so absolute truth is that method where it's that there's nothing you can refute on this. This is okay. grounded in foundation and that it's always been there. You can't ref- you can't undo this foundation. But truth. So it's like science. It's a proof. Yeah, it's a proof to it. But truth is one of those where it's interpretive. It's a perspective. I'm on one side of the street. I'm on the, and you're on the other side and we both witnessed this car accident. From your perspective, from your truth, you see it from that angle. And from my perspective, I see it from this angle. Yeah. I think the movie Crash tried to allude to this a little bit. That was it, a great movie. That was a great movie. And they had a lot of undertones with class, race, and then different perspectives. But it was trying to elevate people's truth, people's narrative, people's perspective. But when we see hear our sisters speaking from their own pain of dealing with some brothers who wasn't right, they turn their truth into absolute truth for them. They believe it's absolute truth. They think that all men are like this. And then there's brothers who deal with some of the wrong sisters who, you know, have some bad complications. And they assume all sisters are like this. I was just interested in what what somebody else's perspective on it because I, you know, there are women in my family, like I, I, you know, what I'm saying that I, you know, hold very close or whatever, and I have, you know, friends that are females, mm-hmm. and when they say stuff like that, I see, you know, what I'm saying, or they say stuff like that, or I, or I hear them get upset because a guy goes, "Not all men." Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that's just like, well, it isn't, you know, what I'm saying all men, but at the same time, I also recognize like that's almost kind of to say not all men is mm-hmm. also disrespectful. Mm-hmm. To their feelings mm-hmm. and what they are experiencing mm-hmm. and the hurt and the pain that they're going through. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And so I never want to invalidate their what they feel about that. Mm-hmm. And so I was always just kind of like maybe on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know how to feel about it. Mm-hmm. But I would never jump in and tell them like, no, not, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I might have done it once. Mm-hmm. But then after that, like, I've never done it again. Even yeah. though I didn't like to hear it, mm-hmm. I was just like, well, you know. Yeah. We've all, you know what I'm saying, you know, I've, listen, I've I've done my dirt before in the past. Mm-hmm. And I've not been the best to women when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um as I got older, I got better. Yep. I made better, de- had better decision making, better choices. That's right. And I'm still learning to be, you know, what I'm saying to be better. That's right. Um, so then that part of me also, rec- you know, recognizes that, and I was like, well, there's a reason they're saying it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I was just eager because I don't think I've ever really had this discussion um, with somebody else. Yeah. And it would be interesting too to sit and have this discussion with a female too. That's right. Just to see her perspective, like, yo, how do you feel? Yeah. With that, like, you know what I'm saying, with that. So I just wanted to get yours on it. Because it's yeah. just a very, like, I'm like, yeah, like, I, I just, I, I guess, you know, without rambling on, mm-hmm. I guess the stance I've taken is, 
I'm not taking it. I'm not gonna take it personal because I know they ain't talking about me. That's because right. I know who I am and that's what type right. of person I am. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I know that's coming from somewhere. That's right. You that's did? right. That's right. There's some and there's a there's some true experiences that has shaped that sister's perspective, and we can't invalidate that. It's right. the it's the whole thing with Kavanaugh. It's the whole thing with Cosby. It's the whole thing with um 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 Russell Simmons. It's the whole. It's, 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 that one's got. I feel like that kind of got swept under the rug real did, cool because I don't hear nothing about Russell Simmons no more. Not me neither. And you know what? Even with the situation with Nate Parker and everything that came around with Birth of the Nation, all of yep. a sudden they pulled up all this mess from his past and stuff that was already closed out. And then as soon as the movie debuted, did everything that it did numerically, you don't hear nothing about it. And so my point with that is that. It's a perspective that's real, mm-hmm. you know. It doesn't mean that um, we need to. In- we can't invalidate it. We have to give sisters their power to be able to say, "Sis, you know, I recognize that trauma of yours. I recognize that vicarious trauma that you've experienced from dealing with some of these brothers who's masquerading as men, but they're really boys on the inside, and they've treated you with some unethical experiences and behaviors." Right. And you know, I can't apologize for him because I'm not him. I can apologize. In a general sense of men, but I hope you know. The only thing we can encourage our sisters is that I hope you can heal, heal to a position and yeah, grow stronger and, grow and hope stronger. that he grows stronger and grows wiser and doesn't right. repeat it. But not only that, that you can heal to a position where you don't allow that experience, whether it's four or five, ten years, define to shape, to how, shape you how you see black men. Yeah, because. Um, I, I, you know, this is part of our situation too. We dealing with a precursor of black women and black men who view each other in these very distorted ways and choose to date other people because of these all black men is this and all black women is this, and so we 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 have to shift some of this conversation and hope that our sisters can heal. And that particular sister is like, you know, I I know what you probably went through. Um, Common said it best. He said, "He said I know. What do you say? Something like I know I can't do something from what Cuz did to you, and I can't blame him because I probably did it too. You know, and I can't. Don't quote me on the exact quote, but he in that one passage he was trying to recognize that, yo, Erica, I know what them cats did to you, and I I can't blame you for feeling what you did. And not only that, I know I can't judge him because I've been there. I probably did it too in the past. And so he's highlighting that your experience and your perspective is real. That's your truth. That's your that's your real piece. But I hope that the healing process allows you to still see clearly in the future clearly what black man is really about. And that's the piece that if that sister. Eight years later, is still saying that all black men is this and all black men. Then that experience demented her. It did. It, it has. Ain't gonna say retarded her, but it's really thwarted her perspective on manhood and womanhood. I dig it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the time, brother. I gotta. I gotta breathe. Hey, man. Hey, I appreciate you coming in, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a nice. This was this was like I said. This is well over. Yes, man. it did. Yes, it was. I've appreciated you stopping in, and you got to you definitely got to come through I, again. I hope time, I can, man. man. I hope you know? I can. Hey, yeah, we'll make that happen, man. Yes. But, um, I, you know, I hope you, you know, what I'm saying, enjoyed, you know, enjoy sitting down and uh mm-hmm. and recording with me today. I did. Um, like I said, I didn't even want to like re- I didn't even want to. 
I know how it is when you and I get together and talk. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't even want to really come in. I usually have a topic with every interview. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to come in with a topic. Yeah, because you knew where we was going to yeah, find like, that. Yeah. yeah, like you, you yeah. and I kind of always just like, we find something like that. It's it's all it's super organic and it just, yep. it goes where it's supposed to go. That's right. And wherever it goes, I know that in fact, that's where we were supposed to be at that time. You that's know what right. I'm saying? At that time. That's right. Because we all always feel like we kind of, you know what I'm saying? We learn from one another. I know I definitely learn from you. Man, so, likewise, You know what bro. I mean? Likewise. Um, so with that being said, man, I hey, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming through. Thank you. Uh, you got anything you want to say before we get out of here? Um, like listen to my brother. You know, I'm following his his podcast, his channel. I learn a lot from him. He had my sister up here about a month ago, and really inspired by her. And their dialogue was really rich. So please tune in to this podcast. Continue and share this with others. So. We're going to be learning in this community together, and I'm hoping to be back on in the next week or two. Cool, cool. So uh, with that being said, as always, you guys know what the deal is. Um, if you got any questions, comments, critiques, um, any questions not just for me but uh, for Mr. Mac over here, please send me an email to chilltimepod at gmail.com. Um, got anything else to say? You want to come join the show? Uh, just let me know. Um, and as always, we're on you know pretty essentially every platform. Leave me a review or something. It's something you want to see, uh, hear, hear more of, or something you don't like. Just let me know. But uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying, uh, enjoying my, my different episodes that I've put out. And I definitely, uh, you know, what I'm saying, I want to thank you guys for sitting and uh, just allowing me. Really, this was more of a selfish episode. This was more or less just to, just for me to catch up with my brother Adrian over here. You know what I mean? And I just figured it'd be a, it'd be great to record it. So I appreciate you guys having the patience to sit down and uh, take your time out and listen to me and this cat cat rap, you know what I mean? Um, With that being said, once again, this is Chill Time is Will Time, and I'm out. How many gorillas who actually kill is really rhyming? Artists that actually sign still killing. And when it comes to killing the mic, they not willing and I'm supposed to be shook. That's the shit to kill me. Take the bullet from a rock on a balcony, then vanish, extinguish the sun when I drew a play pool with the planets. We all renegade, the movement outlandish. My shit straight from the soul. God damn it, it's the one time only. Vernacular, original, miraculous, spectacular flow. Computer digital, but piss upon a pitiful. Ridicule, minuscule. Foul march, you need to park that ass like municipal and listen to an enigma. Anomaly, your mama nominated me for nominee or dominated without a six pack of domino. You could get 19 put through that like I'ma do. So, what I'ma do is separate the falls from the Jewess. You've amassed nothing trying to ball like you mass. So, phenomenal with mics, I don't like myself. Sit on mass and kiss them, see a bite myself. But not cameo though. There's no Grammy to show for the love that people hand me on the street and I overstand. Grade school mathematics examining thugs. They discuss blood scripts, text jamming and drugs. I Speak world peace, war, famine, and flood. Watch your pants labyrinth while I'm unraveling, bud. Gambling on the next rapper to die in the hood. If God shall choose that artist to be me, let one verse of a song be a reflection of a pedigree. Better than your back catalog recipe. The legacy by which the entire world remembers me. Quote, do not edit me, let it be said. I'm top five all time. Alive.
We know that's been stated and so overused. So here's the overview of why I'm six feet over you and a million fans think the statement is so overdue. And pardon if it sounds a little easy. Not Wayne, motherfuckers, I got asthma, it's not easy. Shotgun lyrical, cock back, squeeze me. Women case my anatomy, touch me, tease me. Please seize the moment in the struggle against Lucifer. Renegade 13, the executioner, spit with a crucifix. So that you can expect the rant from Pharaoh March like Lucinex. Get used to it, get used to wisdom, get used to usage of a backwards euphemism. Y'all, 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 y'all